Welcome to the world, everybody. I'ma paint you black and white. I'ma make you hate each other so that everyone will fight. I'ma give you our religion, let the righteous find the light. But I will also give you science to oppose the word of Christ. And I'ma give you borders, they're imaginary lines. If you cross them, go to war and win when everybody dies. And I'ma give you money that you'll value more than life. And let the 1% have everything while you fight to survive. And then I'll give you politics, I'll call it left and right. And while you divide yourselves, I will conquer both the sides. Can't you see? I'm the system, my whole purpose is divide. What you choose will never matter because every Everything is mine. Exactly that. It is the 7th of September, 2022. September was really the seventh month. <laughs> now it's the ninth. You know, times change. Facts change. But one thing stays the same. It's the constant struggle to do what? Throughout history, we see a repetitive story being told of people being oppressed and fighting for freedom, and then they get this alleged freedom only to be oppressed again, and then again, and then again, and then again. It's like an endless cycle. That's what hell would be, right? <laughs> right? Uh, hell, fires and worms and demons and putting knives in you. No, it's doing the same thing again and again. It's the doors of hell are locked from the inside and you hold the keys. Now, it's very important for people to understand that the system, the way it's set up, is supposedly order. And this is man-made order. And the struggle that people find throughout history in every little corner of this world is this constant struggle for freedom. And then when you ask someone to define freedom, it is very hard for them to articulate it. Do you have a nation full of leaders? Well, that's called anarchy because everybody wants to do their own things. Do you have a world that abides by one certain code, one certain religion, uh, one certain, how does this work? That's the question. Morality, right? And it all stems down to empathy and compassion, something that scientific studies have actually shown um, is minimized with stress. So the more stress people undergo, the less compassion they have for someone they don't know. Uh, you know, these uh, past few days, I've been working on some things. And I actually really enjoyed my time in New York, in Boston. Uh, it was actually quite fruitful in regards to um, getting things done. Obviously, my cat um, missed me a lot because he will not leave me alone since I got home late last night. The plane didn't want to bring me home. <laughs> but one thing I noticed that was a common factor when just observing people, because I, I like to observe people. Um, and that was a lack of compassion. People lack compassion. And one would say, well, if we had compassion for everyone, well, yeah, the world would be at a better place. It was funny how many people across the nation sent out uh, spoilation letters to their counties. Let's put it this way. Demanding that they hold on to evidence because they might want to sue them. 
They might want to do a class action. They might want to hire an attorney. They might. And they are making the people that they pay, right? Because they're on your payroll aware that, hey, I'm going to need you to hold on to that stuff because I may be doing something and I am contemplating that seriously. And so the people shot off all these letters and um, some states were like, all right, we'll hold on to them. Your, your request is granted. See, the, the, the civil servants understood that. While there were many that may be in a position to be, I don't know, put on the spot. We're seeing the people being threatened by their own government officials. And not only that, by attorneys taking that position. But there's a whole page dedicated to that, just so you know, on the Justice Department page. And I'm going to walk you through that just in case anybody is feeling intimidated. Just in case anyone is feeling intimidated, it's called misuse of position and government resources. There's a whole page on the U.S. Department of Justice page that talks about this kind of stuff. Because it almost feels like either your government officials or them reaching out to the media are trying to harass, intimidate, and deliberately cause mental anguish to citizens of their state and this nation for demanding transparency. And like Counter said himself, so they're harassing you for demanding transparency? That doesn't sound right. In fact, there are actual laws on that. Um, I would say it would be 5 CFR 2635 TAC 704 through 705. They're using government property and official time to intimidate citizens. That's a big deal. That is a very, very big deal. I saw a letter that came out of Kentucky sent to someone And it reads, blah, 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 has provided me a copy of your email to him dated the 2nd of September. You have sent him similar letters in the past. Please be advised that I represent blah, blah, blah in all legal matters. Therefore, do not send him any more letters or emails of a legal nature or communicate with him in any other manner pertaining to legal matters. All legal issues, legal communications involving blah, blah, blah. I want to know who blah, blah, blah is, right? Obviously, Kentucky. Right. In the above reference, you know, everybody should be sending off bar complaints about this attorney. He's intimidating a citizen for demanding transparency. Let me just continue this letter. In the above reference letter, you make evidentiary demands that are an assertion of legal authority. Previously, you had sent blah, 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 a letter where you had also asserted the legal authority to issue Preserve evidence demands. Please provide me with your KBI number, proving that you are licensed to practice law in the Commonwealth of Kentucky or a copy of your pro se lawsuit that you have or intend to file, which would confer the legal authority to you to make evidentiary demands. Get the f- what? Who is this punts? I need that name redacted. We need to start sending him some questions. I'd like to ask him a question. Where are you coming off? Wait, listen to this. 
If you are not licensed to practice law in Kentucky and or have not filed a pro se lawsuit, your preserved evidence directives put you close to the line of committing a class A misdemeanor crime of practicing law without get out of here. This is a citizen advising you if you could read Mr. Attorney telling you that I'm contemplating on probably suing you, maybe a class action. I'm getting together with my friends at my Green Dragon Taverns, right? Hey, you know, and I want you to preserve evidence because it's my right because I pay for that shit with my taxes. But this guy is going to go that way. This guy should be in jail. What he just did is against all ethics of an attorney. I have never seen such egregious behavior. And you know what, Ben? Ben Chandler of Kentucky? Damn it. See, I actually tapped that guy to figure out what happened with my DD-215 in 2008. And I, and I met with him in person. I had a conversation with him because I was concerned about my identity. And I wanted to own it. I wanted to see who changed the spelling of this name and how was it? Ha- you know, I had to, you know, tiptoe. Ben seems super reasonable. Right. I met with him in his office. Like, what is he what is going on in Kentucky right now? But I did say Kentucky will be one of the bloodiest. So, hey, now he continues to say that you can't practice law without a license. If you're a citizen, you can use the court as you wish, because it is your court that you fund and you have the right. This is the people's court, not the KBA number court. Second, serious consequences could flow from your continued effort to avail yourself of the legal process when you have no authority to do so. So now this attorney is telling citizens that you have no right to ask your government to maintain the records because you are contemplating on filing a lawsuit. Listen to what he is saying. If you do have a license to practice law and or have filed a pro pro se lawsuit, please provide proof of either these to me if you intend to pursue any other legal communication with me as blah, blah, blah's legal representative. Who is blah, 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 and who is this attorney? I'd like to respond and say, I don't have a license, chump. But what I do have is I'm filing this massive bar complaint against you because this is intimidation. And if so-and-so hired you and retained you, right, then we should be firing back with the whole, um, I don't know, five CFR. Let's get onto, uh, you know, let's get onto the DOJ site and be like, yo, hey, Jolene, Anna Loria, acting assistant attorney general. Hey, we're having a problem with this. Here is their phone number. Here is how you get in contact with them. And there we go. And that is how you fix things. You use the tools that were created for us to fix things. I mean, the audacity of some of these people that I've seen attack is insane. And those that don't have the brazen, brazen, you know, I need to put this on the screen so you guys can see this. I mean, this, this is outrageous. This should be in every media's mouth, right? Everyone should be talking about this. This is the Kentucky threat, right? Everyone should be talking about this letter being sent to citizens or all this these media personas getting private identifying information of constituents that have requested information. All of that needs to be in the forefront. This needs to be at the top of everyone's, you know, talk today. I don't know how. I mean, I guess uh, I don't want to say I'm just going to leave it. I I guess it's just. It's, it's really sad, isn't it? 
This is where all of us should be coming together and saying, you know what? This is not okay. You cannot have people intimidating citizens. So obviously I urge many, you know, to, if you get similar notifications, I would suggest using the full power of the department of justice on this because, you know, the fact that they attempt to silence citizens and try to impose crime. How did that work out in Georgia? No judge will sit there and say, you can't ask for information, especially when they're hiding it. Here's this letter. Here's a letter sent. Who is this guy? Who is he representing? J. J. E. We need to know who J. E. is. I want to know which person decided that they need to intimidate citizens, threaten them with misdemeanors. How dare you? Abuse of public office. Abuse of public office. This is exactly it. And you know what they can't stand? You know, if they actually did their job and if they actually were transparent and if they actually didn't classify things about elections and if they actually, you know, kind of said, well, you know, DHS is running the show. Maybe we should ask them if they actually took responsibility based on the trust that is allegedly vested into them because they're in elected positions and those in elected positions appointed all these people. If they actually were there to serve the public, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would be able to openly and easily take a look at what happened, take a look at all the information. We'd be allowed to see the machines. They wouldn't have this clandestine, you know, operation is to hide the source code because it's not, um, what is it called? Proprietary. And I, and I have evidence of that. Total evidence of that, right? It's not proprietary. All the machines have the same crypto trap doors, right? Their own schematics are out there alleging everything that people are assuming. And it's not, and it's an assumption on fact. It's kind of like, hey, if I jump into the pool, I will assume that I will get wet. I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to come out dry? I guess maybe if I'm wearing a wetsuit and have no holes in it and can't breathe. And I don't know, the suit will still be wet, right? So that's a very fair assumption. So the assumption here is you're hiding a lot of stuff. Everyone's trying to push us into nothing happened. When we know something happened, everyone's trying to make it illegal to question the government, which is exactly what tyrants do. Did you just question the king? Off with your head. Did you just question the Fuhrer? Then you're going to jail and maybe we'll stick you in an oven. Hey, did you, what, what did you say? Ah, we need some more fertilizer. So we're just going to liquefy you because look, it's legal now. See, these are the problems that we have in society today, that we have a government that is brazenly demonstrating to you that they do not care what you have to say, that they disallow you from asking questions. And if you're asking questions, you're a nuisance, right? So we have people within the elections divisions complaining to journalists, finasaurus, or like Ben Chandler said, I bet you it's that pillar fella. Get out of here. Get out of here. The pillar fella, the pillar fella, I'll have you know, works really hard. The pillar fella, is in fact the American dream coming from adversity, busting his behind. And not only that, he's working day and night and we are buying all his pillows. I'm definitely going to buy some of those slippers because I heard that they're the best. All of his bedding and towels and everything, right? We all fund him to fund his activities because we love that he 
is working for the people. And see, that is something that even people that allegedly work for America, right? They're, oh, I'm all about America. America really aren't because they're not really working. They're just busy regurgitating and thumping and apparently informing people of things that they don't even need to be informed about and taking narratives. You know, like everyone lost their mind with Biden behind that thing and all these people, you know, he looked like he was Hitler, right? If you guys remember, I had an infomercial that I did. It was over over a year and a half ago. Do you guys remember the infomercial? And it was like 2021. Um, but it was the most incredible, I said, you know, thing where we were talking about the North American Union and it showed Biden flanked with two red V's, the ink sock one. It was only about time to happen. That's the deal. These people are shamelessly ripping you of your right to think and to question. And so for anybody getting letters or emails from media, say, are you harassing me for asking for transparency? I'm going to add that to my complaint to either the GAO or the Justice Department. Oh, they're trying to gum up election. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have elections because your machines that are so great. Because I heard this interview and I want to play a clip of it, right? Of these two people discussing me. None of them have the ability to call me and ask to interview me. You have so much to say. Why not have me? Why are you bringing someone who alleges themselves to be an expert? A person who sat there and said, I didn't have signatures the first time rather than say, hey, they legally told board of elections directors to, you know, invalidate petitions when that was against the law, Ohio law. You know, that's a story in itself. Why are journalists just glossing over that story that they actually broke the law to keep me off the ballot the first time? Why didn't they talk about that? Why don't they talk about the fact that Justin Biss, who's supposedly the prime, you know, the, the elector that's protesting, didn't do any of the protesting, but it was a massive law firm with a lot of hours hired by who? The same law firm that was the previous employer to Amanda Grandine, you know, that Frank taps, you know, taps her every now and then, right? She's like his second in command. She's in charge of all the elections. She used to work for that law firm. Oh, who, who, who is now in Frank LaRose, who's being represented by the son, whatever, or grandson of the justice, you know, that was removed because he's part of this little clique. Right. So this was all stacked against me. Right. That's the story. That should have been like, damn, this is egregious. This is America. It shouldn't be happening. Right. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah. We have journalists that call themselves journalists and they do nothing but push propaganda. They could dislike someone. They could not agree with someone. And it, and that's fine. But when you're advocating for the other side and omitting actual information, well, that's a big deal. That's where you're not a journalist anymore. You're simply a paid mouthpiece. And that is a systemic issue that we have in the dissemination of information and news right now at this point in time. But this is a systemic issue that we have within our governments. So as you can see on your screen, you can call Jolene Anna Loria, the acting assistant attorney general for the General Information Justice Management Division, where they 
focus on misuse of position and government resources. So it clearly states that misuse of position is, is, is a big deal. There are many electoral laws that contain provisions against abuse of their position by office holders during an election period. Oh, during an election period. Keep that in mind. The concept of abuse of official position refers to the use of office and related powers and privileges to advance electoral interests of a particular candidate or party. I want you guys to pay attention to this. This is very important. This is the abuse of office and misuse of administrative ability to do things. So they're mixing official business and electoral campaigning by including campaigning during officially funded trips or officially uh, official facilities for campaign purposes. We see this across the board. We're seeing this right now. Misusing other advantages of being an incumbent, LaRose, talking to you, such as official transportation and resources for political purposes. That overlaps with the concept of misuse of administrative resources discussed as we have many, many times before. The misuse of administrative resources is the use of official funds, facilities, equipment, services, or supplies by those who have official access to them, like election official employees, uh, you know, election committees, um, a department of elections, uh, people that work within your secretary's estate's office um, and that are not equally available to others. So for, for myself, for example, there was a misuse of administrative resources uh, during the uh, protest from Justin Biss because they had access to things, equipment, services, information, and people that are not equally accessible by myself or any other individual. I hope I'm making this clear. So, uh, you know, that uh, that coupled with, you know, things that aren't available to other campaigns on an open and equal basis, um, you know, this is all happening without reimbursement of, you know, resources that are being used for this. Now, it's very important to understand that the nature of the violation of abusing political position does usually make it difficult to prove. Because office holders, particularly senior officials, have many powers and privileges and access to resources and um, uh, have considerable discretion on how they can apply shit. Senior officials are often required by law or regulation to travel only with official transport and security. And because they're high profile, it um, usually, you know, attracts the attention of many people, including the media. So, so officials do very, very little to prevent confusion of their public and political roles by the press and the voters. So this is why it's so difficult to show because all those people that are coming at you are probably running or their guy is running or their party is running. You have to remember that misuse of office is, is a real thing. It is a very real thing. And I, I just want to say that the worst offenses in local and even federal government um, uh, often don't involve money. I know it sounds really dumb, but it doesn't involve money. As far as local governments, meaning your city, state governments, um, ethics is the problem because there's a lot of intimidation. 
And this is done by people in power to cause people mental anguish, uh, you know, destroy reputations. I've been on the receiving end of that. I know how it was. And the guy that led the attack actually became mayor. That was his reward. <sighs> they participate in local governments, um, you know, uh, people that participate in local governments see that no matter what happens, it's mm, money is always at the source of it, but it's the intimidation that causes the worst problem. So that is the worst government ethics issue that we have. And, you know, if you, if there was a rubric about misuse of office, there are so many ticks that I'm sure many of you can mark off as being, yep, yep, yep. And that would include like coercion of subordinates into making campaign or charitable contributions, uh, working on their campaigns, uh, pushing ideas. Uh, you know, they even coerce the people to work around them because they just want to hold their job. And, but that, the worst part, I guess, aside from their immediate, like their administrative assistant, you know, and lower subordinates, I would guess, right, within the chain is the intimidation of citizens like we saw from that letter from that attorney that was sent in Kentucky. That's a mistreatment of government meetings. You know, that was a prime example of Ben Chandler losing his shit on the Zoom call, right? Harassment outside of meetings where they're like, yeah, well, send me your loss. And it's like, I don't have to. Can you fucking read? It says I'm thinking about it. Okay. I'm a citizen and I'm thinking about it and I'm sending it to you. And therefore, if you delete it, then what I say is true. So you can decide to delete it or keep it. In the end, the law is pretty clear. And this is why they're upset. They're like, well, we need to make sure that, you know, there's really a lawsuit. If that's the case, we need to protect ourselves. They're talking about unthinking about it means, yeah, maybe they're raising money. Maybe the people are getting together. Maybe they're orchestrating in-person meetings. Maybe they're finding an attorney. Maybe they're going to be in a nationwide class action suit. You don't know. But what it is, is a citizen sent you a letter and said, hold on to this information because I'm thinking about bringing a lawsuit. How do you sit there and ask them, are you practicing law without a license? Are you pretending to be a lawyer? Are you doing a pro se suit? How dare you, peasant, question me. I am a member of the Kentucky Bar Association. You need to be disbarred for intimidating citizens. We need this guy's name and I will publish it. There is no room in this nation to allow anyone to intimidate people that are enacting and exercising their rights. Harassment through letters, harassment outside of meetings, spreading false rumors about citizens, and worst of all, enlisting others to attempt to change the citizen's behavior, kind of like this lawyer or the media, right? To ruin their reputations so they can keep quiet about unethical or illegal conduct. Coercion of subordinates to committing the same thing. Those are the worst offenses that we see within our government happening. You know, uh, back in, uh, I want to say it's been almost 15 years, there was a commissioner uh, at Palm Beach County, actually, that um, the state attorney actually charged him. Uh, and it was, you know, extortion threats to silence opposition to a project that he supported. He was like lobbying for it. And he was actually held accountable. You should read that case because that case has many more across the nation of intimidation, right? Of intimidation 
is key, is key. We will not allow them to intimidate us. This is our nation. We are an, a, a nation of self-governed people. But then the question lies into how do we, you know, how do we know how to self-govern? I mean, does that mean that we're all leaders? Then that means that, you know, we're all just anarchists because we're all leaders. Uh, being a leader is <laughs> is not, you know, having people follow you behind. It's having a structure of organization that everyone knows what they're good at and they do it. You're good at making milk. You're good at making cookies. You're good at sewing. You're good at counting. You're good at, you know, (laughs) jumping jacks, whatever it is. We all know what we're good at. And we take that position in a society with a, um, an un- spoken agreement. So today I thought it would be really important for us to kind of look at what, you know, morality really means. What is, who decides what is right and wrong? Because it feels like we're being bullied into being told what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, wait, this is like an old age ethical question. See, morality and ethics are actually quite personal, but they're all, they're all one in the same too. And considering the fact that we have a nation right now in a world, but let's just speak about the nation for now in a constant position of stress for the past 50 years, compassion, which is key to morality and ethics, uh, working together is, is, is dwindling. How, How do we come out of this? Correct. Well, I guess it's by, um, taking a step back. I'm going to take you guys back in time to 2018. I'm going to show you a really short report of people trying to make a do on, uh, in Florida of adding an amendment, lobbying and abuse of office by public officers. This is really important. Okay. Now it's only a one minute clip, but I want you guys to pay attention to what was being said. Taking down the amendments you'll see on the November ballot, some of them are actually several questions bundled into one, making them even more confusing. But today, Local 10's Glenna Milberg unravels Amendment 12, which tries to stop public officials from using their offices for private gain. Amendment 12 is all about ethics, real or perceived. In fact, essentially what Amendment 12 does is expands the rules, ethics rules for lobbying state governments by office holders and people who are elected and even bureaucrats. You may be thinking it's kind of a no-brainer to prevent people who are in office from using that office to enrich themselves and their family. And right now, the ban on lobbying state governments for those people after they leave office is two years. Amendment 12 would extend that to six years. By the way, this wouldn't take place until the year 2022, for reasons that the drafters of Amendment 12 do not make clear. There's also some vagueness in the wording here. There would be a lot for lawmakers to sort of pin down and put in place, but essentially they want voters to weigh in on Amendment 12 by extending the lobbying ban for elected officials and bureaucrats after they leave office and even kind of grow it a little bit to encompass all state governments. And if you agree with all of that, then go ahead and vote yes on Amendment 12. If you like the way things are right now, if you trust these ethics laws currently, then you can leave everything in place by voting no on Amendment 12. As you can see, it has been an ongoing thing about public corruption. 
public corruption is a really big deal. We have people right now across the nation, right, in many states that are filing open records requests, FOIA requests, and they're demanding information. And now they're complaining. They're complaining that people are asking for transparency. They're complaining that people are demanding information. They're demanding transparency. We're in America. Everything should be transparent. You know what's not transparent? Everything. Everything that has to do with our most in, most important rights as American citizens is classified or you're not allowed to see it or we make decisions and you elected us. So piss off. That's basically the attitude they have. So you send them a record to retain evidence because you're contemplating on filing a lawsuit, hiring a lawyer or joining a class action suit. And they're all up in a frenzy, reaching out to a bunch of, you know, journalists and, you know, saying, here's their information. You know, people need to find out who these people are. You know, when they come to you and they're like, hey, just so you know, right? Just so you know, these people are totally, uh, you know, harassing us. Here's, here's a couple of their names. Here's where they live. They've probably given them your whole record too. This is it. This is exactly it. They're coming for you. Journalists are giving private information for information requests. Imagine harassing citizens for demanding transparency. That's key right there. That's key right there. Now, I want you guys to listen to a hit piece that was put out about me. Um, it was quite uh, interesting. And I hope you guys actually went through the transcript of my case. Any of you, uh, you know, the hearing, the, the kangaroo court, that was the most shocking and egregious thing I had ever seen. One where my rights were completely trampled on because the minute they sent this, I sent an email back to the secretary. And I was like, hey, can you cite the law regulation or whatever, how you pick judges, you know, how this hearing is set out, where it's happening so I can assert my rights. They ignored me. They ignored me. And so now here's, here's what they're working on. This, they had a lot of fun. And these are people that were mocking me because I have a very, uh, I don't know, ethnic name, too ethnic for them. Well, this ethnic chick is going to win. If elections occur, I win. They know it. That leads me to this next topic, and it's a name I'm not even going to try. I mean, I'm going to go with the <laughs> uh, shortened name. It's the podcaster, Tori Maris Lindemann. Uh, the first name, Karen, I'm leaving up to you. Her, is- well, so they didn't even use my legal name, right? They didn't. All my legal documentation is correct. I filed a ballot. I have identification, yet they use another name. You see? There's number one. Okay. So if you're... If you if you're a fan of mythology, you'd look at this and say it's a terpsichore, but that's not how it's spelled. It's spelled terpsichore, so that's how I assume it's pronounced. I thought it was terpsichore. No, there's there's no s in this. At least the way that I've seen it written All in right. court let's, documents. Let's, let's get beyond that. We're calling we're calling the person Tory. Uh, goes Sorry. by Tory. Will not be an independent candidate for Ohio Secretary of State now after she was deemed ineligible by Assistant Secretary of State Kimberly Burns. She was to appear on the ballot along with Republican incumbent Frank LaRose and Democrat Chelsea Clark. Her petitions, though, were challenged by the Ohio Republican Party. It's funny how they talked about that, but they didn't talk about the written mandamus or the federal lawsuit, which is fine. Federal lawsuit hasn't been filed anyway. That's coming. But they didn't talk about it yet. That's interesting. They're, but listen to what they say. 
the executive director there, and the House Supreme Court Justice Terrence O'Donnell, also a Republican, ruled in that case that some of the signatures were not valid, recommending that she be removed. She's seven valid signatures short of 5,000, which was the uh, the amount that should have been. And what's interesting here, again, is uh, Maris is a MAGA candidate, still denies Trump lost the election. Also, I believe, says that she can time travel. She can. Um, and, and yet, and so what we see here is a challenge to her by the Republican Party uh, leadership. Karen? Right. And and I've noted that as well. And and certainly you could look at that as, as being a little odd. I mean, Justin Biss, the Ohio Republican Party executive director, challenging her signatures. Republican former Ohio Supreme Court Justice Terrence O'Donnell was the hearing officer in this case. The Office of Republican Secretary of State Frank LaRose, who she would be running against, is the one that made the decision to remove her from the ballot. But it doesn't serve Republicans or Democrats to have someone in the race who, for, for the office that would administer elections, who can't accept the results of the last presidential election and arguably is a threat to democracy. I mean, so now I'm a threat to democracy, too. But can you see my campaign? This is my campaign. The fact that they're telling the world what I stand for is my campaign. Literally. These people are going to help me get elected. And, and th- this is happening all around the country where you've got election deniers running as Republicans in states. And in some cases, they're in positions potentially that could determine the outcome of elections. For instance, the election of 2024, the presidential election. So th- this is it, it's a, it's easy to point to Republicans and say they obviously did this for political reasons. But I'm not sure it serves. It really doesn't serve anybody if if she's potentially an election denier who could be in charge of elections if she would have won, which is pretty much a long shot, I think. And she can't be a write in because no one can spell the name. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But I, I guess my follow up question that how do you do that? Right. The, the threshold is signatures. And so when we start getting into that area of asking their views as a means to declare their legitimacy for being on the ballot, that's that's a pretty tricky piece. That said, she's a fascinating woman. Uh, and, and just doing a little deep dive into her, I mean, she, there was a, a recent civil fraud case where attorneys for the state of North Dakota wasn't attorneys. It was the attorney general. And he killed himself right before he was indicted and purged 23 years of justice.gov emails, too. But I digress. You see, fascinating. No, you watch me. I, I tell everyone what I'm going to do. If I'm going to come at you, I'm going to tell you because that's fair. Hey, this is happening. You like it? All right. You don't? Still all right. I give zero. Zero. And you guys are going to help get me elected because she's like, oh, my God, could you imagine? She could just get in there and, like, decertify the whole thing. (laughs) Hey, listen, it gets better. Hoda said that she falsely claimed to be a medical doctor and have a Ph.D. and an MBA. And that's also a lie because they found a thing that says MD, which means managing director of a Western division for a contracting company that did languages. And that was just a lie upon a lie. Now, MBA, three courses short. PhD, one defense short. Never claimed I had it. I said I was processing it. Why can't I use the alphabet soup? I paid for it. So there we go. And that she has multiple aliases, which I assume she's got at least seven and have multiple aliases, all the same name with a misspelling aliases. God, it's not like I called myself Sally, right? It's all the same. 
It's like misspelling crap. This is so dumb. This is what they have that they perpetuate this. Like someone sees it. They're like, come on. It's one with her maiden name, one with her married name, misspelled first name. Cause she, you know, my name's not, you know, something easy like Sally. So it's like saying Sally with two L's, Sally with one L, Sally with an I, Sally with an I E, but it's still freaking Sally. Okay. Those were the seven signatures that she was short. I don't know. Uh, but wait a minute. Did he just allege that I committed fraud and used my aliases on that? I think that's an actionable thing, right? That's an actionable thing. In fact, if this guy had any cojones, he would say, I'd like to bring you on here because I talk behind your back because that's what losers do. And that's what people that can't win do. They talk about you behind your back, but they don't have the ability to come at you straightforward. So you can just use, you know, facts and truth and, you know, state answers to questions. This is this. I love this interview because this they're campaigning for me right now. Knows. Who knows? But also, it's, there's a weird Sidney Powell connection. There's a, a Sidney Powell in one of in in her big Kraken case uh, had a had a mystery witness, and people were able to figure out. Okay, well, by some of the statements in the affidavit, they matched word for word uh, some of Tory's statements online, and indeed. And my affidavit is the only one that no one can point to where I was wrong. Not even one part, one part, except what my name that you want to debate and tell me how I was born. I got my birth certificate. Let's go. Right. Which one, which one? There we go. So like I said, they're campaigning for me. So I embrace the suck. I love it. Tori did say, yep, that's totally me. I'm the secret witness. Hmm. The expert I think, secret witness. Expert secret witness yeah. with a PhD in an MBA. <laughs> you know, it's easy to actually, just so that they know, most of the people that have been rigging elections don't have more than a bachelor's degree right? They don't. Some of them are complete idiots. Some, most of them are in a bachelor of fine arts. Yeah. These are the people that are destroying nations across the world, right? So your mockery shows just how simple you are and how you don't understand how governments work. You have no idea of foreign policy and all you use is talking points. See, this is where we're at. We've been reduced to listening to people who say things from some point of authority that makes zero sense because they get quashed with facts and sit there and just, ha, ha, let me just throw out a talking point. But here's where it gets good. Look at some of this stuff and think, wow, you know, this is, this is wow stuff. But I think it's also interesting to look at what she had said she wanted to do if she actually won the office. I mean, I've listened to her on podcasts and, and some interviews and, and she really seems to have, and a lot of election deniers are like this, a, a misunderstanding or a, a lack of a grasp of how elections work. And Wait, is Karen trying to educate me on how elections work? Okay, let's listen to this. And, you know, for instance, she's talked about one of her big things was to get rid of all voting machines and replace them with pen and paper ballots. There were more than 5.9 million ballots, a record number cast in Ohio in 2020. How long would it take to count more than 5.9 million ballots by hand, especially if they were done by pen and paper? I well, I could tell you that they would have been done faster than the just the primary that happened in Arizona. They were at 20%, which is what, maybe, what, 10,000, 100,000 for days using computers. <laughs> so a computer can hang for 100,000, but we can't. And let's get it this way. Every county 
depending on its population, has their respective amount of people that can do hand-to-eye counting. So it's not like one person is going to sit there and count them. 5.9 billion ballots, million ballots cast. Well, there's some stuff that came out of Ohio that seems a little bit weird in regards to the ballots, but we'll get to that at a later time. Right now, here's the question. People can't count that fast. Well, neither can your damn machines because they need to stop and then allow the time to manufacture the evidence for whatever outcome they've been programmed for. So I guess, I mean, it makes no sense, but this is their argument that we can't count. If there's 5.9 million ballots cast, then there should be at least 20 million people around and every county can count because if they can't, they shouldn't have a job. I mean, this is just not how elections have been functioning in Ohio. And it really speaks to the concerns about whether she was qualified, not just by signatures, but also by what she intended to do if she had won. So wait, so they would listen to what she's saying carefully that let's pretend she had the signatures. She shouldn't be qualified to be on the ballot because she doesn't believe that elections are safe and transparent. Wait, so now they're going to be refuting people based on their beliefs? Well, if the people decided them, that's what a democracy is about. Who are you, Karen, to come in and say what is right and what is wrong? For that reason and for that statement only, there's a lot of Republicans and Democrats that'll be like, I'm voting for her, so thank you. Because you just told them that people are too stupid to decide themselves. But shouldn't the greater concern not maybe be with her, but with the fact that she got 4,993 signatures? Actually, I got more than those, but we didn't get to change them because we weren't allowed to because I was certified. And therefore, why protest? People knowing that that was her stance and and supporting her go in that direction. That's that's. That's a concern. Well, and, and I think some of that relates to there are still plenty of people who do deny the results of the 2020 election. I've been working on a story about public records requests that have been coming in to all 88 county boards of elections from people who want to see all the ballots, all the voting machine tapes, all the envelopes that have the voter ID information. And, and these are all coming from people who uh, don't believe what happened in 2020. And so... I guess, sadly, it's easy to believe that you could find 5,000 people to sign a petition for somebody who is an election denier because those people still exist. Even though there has been no evidence of any sort of, I mean, all the the lawsuits that were filed by the Trump team in over the 2020 election, except for one that was just a small, you know, technicality that was thrown out later, they've all been thrown out. There have been multiple audits. There's been multiple attempts at evidence to prove that there was fraud that would have overturned the results of the elections. And none of it has ever turned out to be the case for now. (laughs) But now you guys just opened up a can of worms for a lot of people. And see, this is the problem. We have these people that claim to be moral, you know, and it's and and what is morality? But in the dictionary, it says it's a set of personal and social standards for good and bad behavior and character and the quality of being right, honest and acceptable. That's what they claim morality is that that, that that's what it means. 
They're prevailing standards of behavior that enable people to live cooperatively in groups. Moral refers to what society sanctions as right and acceptable. And so the question then is, who creates this, as Comey said, fabric of society? Who decides what's right and what's wrong? That is a hmm, very long-standing question throughout the eons. I think uh, we should have this discussion right now. Like, this is about my morality. Abortion is moral. Culture and tradition are not good benchmarks for morality. What is the difference between right and wrong? How do you define this? Who defines this? I'd like to start to answer these questions by quoting from a somewhat unlikely source. Here is what Ben Affleck had to say in a New York Times article recently. People with compulsive behavior, and I am one, have this kind of basic discomfort all the time that they're trying to make go away, he said. You're trying to make yourself feel better with eating or drinking or sex or gambling or shopping or whatever. But that ends up making your life worse. And then you do more of it to make that discomfort go away. Then the real pain starts. It becomes a vicious cycle you can't break. That's at least what happened to me. All of us have at times had this basic kind of discomfort or nagging feeling that the way we're behaving is wrong. And this feeling can be compounded and can grow worse with every decision we make. How do you get rid of that nagging feeling without medication, substance abuse, or escapism? First of all, in order to fix something, you need to identify the source of the problem. The problem is that most people have little idea of the cause and effect of their actions when the results are not immediate. I'm talking about the way we choose to word a white lie or the small actions we take in personal relationships, or possibly decisions that have far more tragic results, such as whether a baby is to be kept or not. And I'm this. This is, like, this is about my morality. Abortion is moral. Culture and tradition are not good benchmarks for morality. What is the difference between right and wrong? How do you define this? Who defines this? I'd like to start to answer these questions by quoting from a somewhat unlikely source. Here is what Ben Affleck had to say in a New York Times article recently. People with compulsive behavior, and I am one, have this kind of basic discomfort all the time that they're trying to make go away he said. You're trying to make yourself feel better with eating or drinking or sex or gambling or shopping or whatever. But that ends up making your life worse. And then you do more of it to make that discomfort go away. Then the real pain starts. It becomes a vicious cycle you can't break. That's at least what happened to me. All of us have at times had this basic kind of discomfort or nagging feeling that the way we're behaving is wrong. And this feeling can be compounded and can grow worse with every decision we make. How do you get rid of that nagging feeling without medication, substance abuse, or escapism? First of all, in order to fix something, you need to identify the source of the problem. The problem is that most people have little idea of the cause and effect of their actions when the results are not immediate. I'm talking about the way we choose to word a white lie or the small actions we take in personal relationships, or possibly decisions that have far more tragic results, such as whether a baby is to be kept or not. Unless we identify right and wrong actions, we will continue to fail in life, relationships, experiencing suffering, hurt, and anguish. Society tries to label right and wrong behavior 
under a loose moral code. But our social culture or moral code is not the benchmark for what is right and wrong. And this is why. The secular world believes that morality is relative. In other words, whatever seems right to you. The religious world, whether Christianity, Islam or Hinduism, etc., believes that morality is determined by what God you believe in, or more precisely, what interpretation of text is used. Certain atheists such as Sam Harris or Richard Dawkins rely on science to define human values, where the result of our actions determine whether or not they are moral. Do they benefit the individual or society as a whole? That nagging feeling inside of you is often not the result of breaking society's moral code because there is no universal agreement as to what is moral. The secularists are right at pointing this out. Most people today believe that morality is personally or socially determined, and it is defined as a set of personal or social standards for good or bad behavior and character. Many believe it can change upon the individual or social structure in place. It changes depending on the religious order too. Again, there is no universal agreement as to what is moral. Here's an example. Prior to 1962, sodomy was a crime in every U.S. state. Since 2003, however, it is protected as an individual's private liberty throughout the United States under the Due Process Clause in the U.S. Constitution. Over the course of just over one generation, a criminal act has become a protected right of liberty. You don't need to single out sodomy Look at marijuana laws in countries like Canada and Uruguay, or assisted suicide in the Netherlands, Belgium, and elsewhere. Faith in science isn't going to solve a lack of emotional understanding of what is right or wrong either. Science is the newest religion on the block, as faith in a deity is quickly being abandoned in the West. The trouble is, you can't always persuade emotional people to apply reason and logic. Science is never going to prevent greed, or social unrest, and subsequent wars. So if the vast majority of the religious and secular world have failed to explain why we end up in emotional anguish, or just simply fail to get along, what is the answer? All of us at Tomorrow's World firmly believe that right should always be right, and wrong should always be wrong for everyone, and that morality is not fluid or defined by anyone other than God. Certain actions and behaviors will always cause hurt and pain on a spiritual level. Others cause joy and peace. These behaviors are either following or breaking spiritual laws. When you know, deep down, that what you are doing is wrong on some level and causes sadness or hurt to another, the rule you are breaking, whether you know it or not, is a spiritual law. Society's moral code does not prevent you from actions that equate to emotional self-harm. And in fact, people often go by the adage, as long as your actions didn't harm anyone else, you're free to do what you want. But that is such a destructive mindset and shows a total lack of care or concern over another individual. In the Bible, breaking spiritual law is defined as sin. In turn, sin is defined as the breaking of God's laws. Most Christians today falsely claim that this law has been done away with and replaced with something akin to a hippie mantra of acceptance, love, and goodwill. That's not what the text upon which Christianity is based says. Christianity has been gaslit into believing this, and the rest of the world aren't even close to applying God's spiritual law. We need to understand that the source of what is right and wrong is not decided upon by the individual or society. It has been determined since before time began. 
And if you choose to learn what is right and do what is right consistently, you will no longer suffer those nagging feelings that you're doing something wrong. You will no longer live in emotional turmoil and be subject to every false concept of morality that plagues the world. You will instead live by the perfect laws of liberty, laws that lead to peace and happiness. I'm going to replay this before I put the interlude, but I think he he made it pretty clear where he sits, and I absolutely love this. Right and wrong is not decided upon by the individual or society. It has been determined since before time began. And if you choose to learn what is right and do what is right consistently, you will no longer suffer those nagging feelings that you're doing something wrong. You will no longer live in emotional turmoil and be subject to every false concept of morality that plagues the world. You will will instead live by the perfect laws of liberty, laws that lead to peace and happiness. So it's not down to the individual or society. It's based on laws that were written before time. And you know which is that that I hear the most? And I know it's like whatever. But I wanted you guys to watch this clip. It's where Jesus gives the beatitudes to Matthew. So this is our intermission. And I think it hits the nail on the head because we really need to talk about, you know, moral code and ethics because this is what it comes down to. And like I've said many times before, we can deal with a corrupt legislative branch. We can deal with a corrupt executive branch, but it's really difficult when you're judicial. The one that is supposed to be upholding the moral codes of the nation, the laws that allow us to coexist so many in this melting pot together, when that is broken, And we have views and versions of facts. That's where we have a problem. So please enjoy this short three-minute intermission. Matthew. Matthew. Bye-bye. I've got it. The opening? Yes. What is it? A map. The what? Directions. Where people should look to find me. Okay, give me a moment. Have I? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you 
and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward will be great in heaven. Yes. But how is it the map? If someone wants to find me, those are the groups they should look for. And then? You are the salt of the earth. I love compassion and standing up for something or else you fall for anything. I guess that is how man should look at things. Ethics. One of my favorite subjects to study refers to theory while more virtuous behavior refers to the application of ethics, right? And so everyone's personal philosophic stance is stronger when both of those are connected in the right way. Your ethics to your virtuous behavior or your moral behavior, I would say. So ethics and morals, right? Your ethics is your theory. Your moral behavior is how you apply it, right? And it's extremely stronger when you do what you say or what you think. If you know what's good and what's bad, you will be more able to understand what is right and what is wrong. You know your options, weigh the pros and cons, and find a way to think ethically about what you are tackling and dealing with so that you feel that you're justified in your actions. And therefore, you're going to be justified in your reaction. If it's a right thing to do, there will always be something that will justify it. Now, rationalization is completely different to what we're talking about now. You can sit there and, you know, rationalize about anything, absolutely anything. Molding and paraphrasing anybody's other viewpoint that will suit your plans. That's what the law does. The law is kind of rationalizing things and trying to make the words fit to suit whatever plans you want. You know, you can't just say, oh, no one's going to understand. No, no one's perfect. The devil made me do it. God will forgive me. I'm the president. I'm, you know, uh, the vice president. I'm, you know, you know, your governor. I'm this. Justification, however, shares the same foundation as the words justice and righteous, like the word itself, justification. It's righteous justice, justification. You justify your actions. You need justice and righteousness, right? And, you know, the justification obviously requires, uh, you know, more thought to inspire greater certainty, of course. But, you know, people have to understand as individuals and as a collective that there is a huge challenge to having personal moral system in place so that you can rely on it for more moral guidance. Uh, someone must begin considering what good and bad is. Everyone does, right? Um, and let's just bring up some examples. You know, ah, th that's a fascinating one too. Well, th the more simpler one, woman, 
working 40 hours a week, pays taxes, pays her rent, but can't afford baby formula. So, you know, she goes down to the local store, grabs a box of baby formula and leaves the only $20 she has, but doesn't have the full $80 to pay for it and runs off. It's theft. She didn't want to. She justified her actions because she needs to protect her baby and she doesn't qualify for any assistance, right? And this is all she's got, right? So she's justifying her actions of doing that. And when seen through a compassionate side, you will not charge her with a crime, right? No one can. I wouldn't charge her with a crime. I'm pretty sure that thousands of people will turn up and say, don't take her to jail. Here's the rest of your money. She needed that help, the justification. And then there's other types of justification, selfish justification. Like, for example, um, ooh, and I was watching this. Uh, I'm going to share this with you. Here's a justification. Have you guys ever heard of the barefoot bandit? I'm going to wait and see if, um, if anyone has on the chat. And I know there's a bit of a, have you guys ever heard of the barefoot bandit? Now, um, the reason I'm saying this is because even election theft, the way it was explained to me on what we're doing for other nations, the justification was if people chose their leaders, it would put our nation at risk and it would ensue chaos. So the justification of robbing foreign nationals, the ability to elect who they want was for the good of America and for the good of whatever idea they had. So here's the barefoot bandit. This is one more selfish, but genius. This is about a young man grew up in a very abusive household, right? And this guy is genius off the charts. And I know someone would be like, oh my gosh, he was like, uh, you know, they called him klepto, um, klepto in school. He would always steal things. He would steal things to survive. He would go out into the woods. So he would go into houses. Sometimes he'd do stupid things like just take a bath or watch TV or eat their food. But then he elevated it to another level. This is a teenager. Um, I think he was 16 when he stole his first private jet. He never flew a plane, never did anything. And he took this plane and hopped around America, stealing private planes. Everyone was losing their mind. Feds were like, what the heck? And, you know, the barefoot bandit thing isn't really real. It wasn't like it was his thing, but people made it like they had like cult clubs like, whoa, this is this was like a Bonnie and Clyde on steroids. And um, he was so he was doing it more so to uh, more on a selfish stance to beat the system. Now that is one of the biggest drivers and that, that, that can unlock extraordinary qualities in human beings, like being able to not only take off, but land private jets that you steal from airports without having any lessons and just learning on the fly. Now I'm not saying that his stealing was a good thing, I'm not saying the flying the jets was a good thing, right? He was stealing private jets. But the the last thing that he stole was a private jet. He flew it 1,200 miles to the Bahamas. Like, why would you go to an island in your landlock, your waterlock? You got to be swimming and you're going to another country. Like he made this international. And it was more provocation than anything. Um, they claimed that he put a gun to his head. That's a lie. Uh, now, you know, He's probably working with the feds and he's a genius because he was able to observe and find things, you know, on how to 
penetrate the, 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 the areas. Like he would observe an airport for five days and figure out how to steal a Cessna and fly it out. Um, he would observe homes that he knew he could go and have some food, which was an innate thing. His intention was just to feed himself. It wasn't to enjoy himself. Right. But then that elevated to the, I'm going to beat the system, the system, the system. So the system in general and show them how incapable they are when one is focused. This is my interpretation of it. That his intention was to prove that people can break out of the system and do extraordinary things. This is how I like to see it. I'm not glorifying um, him stealing people's things and, uh, you know, their money and their food and their bathtub time and TV time on their couches. I am not saying that's acceptable. But what I'm trying to show is where it rose out of need, he cultivated skills from a young age out of need and decided, well, here's where I'm going to show him how the system is broken. Here's a, a clip from when he was arrested. Here's on the run, the so-called barefoot bandit accused of robbing people in eight states and two other countries is in jail this morning in the Bahamas. CBS News national correspondent Chef Glore is in Nassau, Bahamas with the latest. Hey, Erica, good morning to you. Yeah, it uh, seems almost too bizarre to be true what's happened the past two years here. And now it ends in typically high Hollywood style with a short high speed boat chase. And now Colton Harris Moore, as you mentioned, is in custody right here in Nassau. Colton Harris Moore was captured wearing shorts, a T-shirt, and yes, he was barefoot. The barefoot bandit was transported to Nassau after being nabbed on the Bahamian island of North Eleuthera. Acting on information received from members of the public, the police responded to a sighting of the suspect in Harbor Island. Authorities believe Harris Moore's been here since last Tuesday, when he apparently crash-landed a plane that he'd stolen from Indiana, flying it more than a 1,000 miles with no formal flight training. In a crime spree that stretched from British Columbia and touched at least eight U.S. states, the 19-year-old is suspected of stealing five airplanes in his young life and committing more than 100 burglaries. The product of an abusive father who left him when he was two, Harris Moore took to camping in the wild at seven and was convicted of his first crime at 12. But this fugitive became an Internet sensation with eventually more than 60,000 fans on Facebook after he escaped from a Washington state halfway house and successfully eluded authorities for two years. He went to a small island uh, where it would be very difficult to evade capture. If it wasn't today, it would have been sometime soon. If not on this island, someplace else. The end of Harris Moore's time on the lam came here in the Bahamas, where he'd apparently broken into at least seven residences in less than a week. In the final pursuit, police say they had to shoot out the motor on his boat to corral him. Near Seattle, residents of Harris Moore's hometown expressed relief that the barefoot bandit was finally behind bars. I think he's really smart, but I think more so than anything, people give him too much credit. I think he's just gotten extremely lucky and his luck finally ran out, obviously. Police here say that Harris Moore had a gun with him when this chase ended, and one witness said he put that gun to his head briefly, but did not pull the trigger. Now the tricky question comes is where will he be prosecuted first? All right, I'm going to wait for it to come back on. Online. I don't know what's going on with Rumble today. Maybe they're doing updates. I don't know. My tea's looking orange too, which is really weird because I don't do orange. And that's really weird. I'm going to see when it comes back online. So that way, what is going on with Rumble today? It is really bad, huh? Let's see. Is it back on? What is going on? Wow. What is going on? 
It's not my internet connection. I know that for a fact. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's not my internet connection, so I'm going to... What is going on? Let's see. Is that better? Still no sound. How is it constantly frozen? Damn. Um, anything? It's back now. There we go. All right, here we go. Now the tricky question comes is where will he be prosecuted first? Today is a national holiday in the Bahamas. Still police here have scheduled a late morning news conference. Erica? All right. So the kid was smart, right? Because he's a minor still. So he would have not been treated as a minor, but he was a minor. And that gives him the opportunity to um, work with the federal government in higher levels. I mean, could you imagine if he was introduced to coding and quantum computing? You should run on stuff like that. But then it goes down again, talking about morality, right? And the challenge to have this personal moral system in place that you can rely on for guidance. This is a problem that has puzzled, you know, philosophers and pundits over centuries. So there's no infallible answer <laughs> ever to that question. In, in the writings politics, Plato quotes a dialogue in which Socrates is asked to define the good. Is it knowledge, pleasure, or something else? Like, what is good? And he had already defined at that point certain morals or virtues, such as temperance and justice. But faced with this question and this challenge of what is good, Socrates replies, I fear that this is beyond my strength that he could not answer that. Centuries uh, and eons later, right, the view is still as vague. Good, then, well, it can't really be defined, at least in the most important sense of the word, one might say, right? And even Nietzsche complained of the ancient illusion called good and evil. Like others who have tried, you know, for eons to explain you may not even be able to give the exact answer to that puzzle. But as members of a society in this world, it's important that we at least, you know, test the waters and, you know, fiddle with those questions every now and then, because that's the only way you yourself build a solid foundation, right? So why should someone be good, moral, and follow their ethics? Like, why bother being good, right? And, 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 and bad, like, why, why pick? What do you gain from it? And that's a key question. And this is why it's easier when people have a religion. A religion does that for you. It kind of helps you. It says, this is how we define good and evil in the name of God's authority, right? And so the great religions, all big ones, right, or spiritual, whatever, you know, they sit down and they give you moral guidance and it comes from a divine power, by attributing the laws to God. And, you know, and that way with religion, we succeed in killing two birds with one stone. You have your morals and you have your ethics and you have a line that tells you what's good and evil. And, you know, we have very specific values as people to guide our actions. And um, we also have our absolute ethics that define them. 
So in the sense of religion, it is good to obey God's commandments and bad not to. And the rules come from God, therefore it's good. And this is how uh, religion steps in to answer questions that people in the times of no religion, which I find weird because Plato, Socrates, all of them were religious. Now, if religion works for you, then you're ahead of the game. You already have a, a set guideline and a, and, a, and a map of how you should lead your life. But even if you don't believe in a religion, you can still use the wisdom presented by the ancient theologists, by Christianity, by, you know, the Quran, by, you know, the Mahabharata, right? The Indian one, right? Buddhism, Taoism, all of those isms, right? You can find, you know, ancient wisdom without owning any allegiance to any any allegiance to any deity as a guideline the scriptures of all major religions contain clear thoughts on morality and, and most of them are pretty much the same you know in the in the basics don't kill don't this don't that right um so since they have clear thoughts on morality anyone can actually benefit from it but to gain philosophical insights into life's issues without or with faith, you have to seek out and understand what important concepts you find important and apply them to your personal worldview. So you've probably, you know, most of you have heard this, oh, you need to do the right thing. And then you've probably heard this, you need to say the right things. You need to use tact. Well, this is really good advice, right? <laughs> um, I think saying and doing the right thing are imperative. You can't say the right thing and do the wrong thing. And you can't do the wrong thing and say the right thing. Thinking and rationalizing your actions is the key to dealing with and resolving anything that comes your way in, in you know, full circle. But then one must sit there and ponder like, okay, morality, ethics, like, you know, how do I, how do I work with all this? How do I, how does that apply to me? Well, it, it, it's applying to you right now because the, the question is the difference between reality and morality, right? What is reality? Uh, we understand that morals are social norms. So who shapes those norms? And right now what we're finding out is that the norms and your reality are being constructed by very powerful consumer driven companies. Like I said, you are on a hamster wheel. And on that hamster wheel, you're not only the consumer, but you're also being consumed. And if you remember in the previous clip earlier in the show, what was stated, sodomy was a crime. And now for years in our nation, sodomy was a crime. And now it's a protected constitutional right. It only takes one generation, one thing to change the morality and therefore the social norms of a society. In any other time, thinking of assailing children or harvesting organs or using them as sustenance or using criminals or children that are of a lesser God, I guess, according to them. I mean, anyone that's not in their club is of a lesser God, uh, according to them, to be used as experimental objects would be unthinkable. Yet today, people are questioning that. 
We have people that believe that they should be able to tell you what you put in your body and how that changes. We have people telling you how you should think and how society should be. This is where we're at right right now. We're at that shift. And it's, you know, the tail end of it for complete circle and completion of when sodomy used to be a crime and now it's a protected right. We have to understand just how we're at this point. Abuse of power. Abuse of power. That is it. We have people in positions of power that are abusing it. And this is why it's really important that people pay attention to file things as to the Justice Department's Office of Ethics. Misuse of a position in government resources against their own. So you're funding them to harm you. You're funding them to change how you view things through intimidation, bullying, harassment, uh, you know, threatening with your life. I mean, for me, I don't care. Like, what are they going to do? Kill me? I'll be back. I'll be back. You know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Think about it. If you put it down to it, what are they going to do? So what? I comply and I bend the knee and then what? I just live a life like a slave that I've bent the knee and sat back from the morals and the ethics and the foundations of this nation. Is that what I do? Oh, wow. So I don't know what's happening here. I really don't know what's happening. Hmm. Wow. Here's what we're going to do. Well, now I'm also broadcasting on YouTube. It seems that Rumble's been having a lot of problems today. So I guess I'm going to close my show by finishing up on YouTube. Until Rumble gets their stuff together, I'm streaming this portion of it. Morality and reality, ethics and not. This is a structure, a social structure that has been created where we are at the point where we are being forced into changing our values and our morals and what is accepted within society. Again, sodomy was a crime in our nation until it became a protected constitutional right. Now, how it's been used and how it's being shaped is one way. But it is important to understand the repercussions from it. And this is what we are dealing with right now today as a society. We have people in elected offices that misuse their positions. They abuse their offices in order to have us succumb to their way of thinking, to their way of how things should be. And while many, many people decide in their mind how things should move forward and how things should happen, what right? What is right and what is wrong? Yes, it's an individual choice as long as it affects only you. But as a society, we are now being forced into some thought process or some fabric that they are weaving to keep us more in check. This is no different than tyrants that have existed in the past throughout history. This is a cycle. If you look at history, this is the same cycle over and over again. Complete oppression, revolution, a time of peace, only to be then oppressed because of too much freedom. 
Therefore, the kingdom collapses and regains strength again through oppression. And through oppression, again, we go through the cycle of a revolution. It's an endless cycle. It's hell. This is what hell is. And this is what stupidity is too, according to Einstein, repeating the same thing over and over again, hoping that you have a different outcome. Now, while many may say uh, our nation is great, well, it's great in a lot of things. It's great in the people. It's great in the way it operates for now on paper. I guess. We don't have representation. We are putting people in specific boxes and in areas of what they're allowed to say or do. You either are red or blue or black or white or woman, male, cis, this, that. Tell you this. Here's how I see it. Here's where beauty lies. Coexistence. You'll <laughs> be like, whoa, shh. Hey, if bacteria can coexist with you, then anything can happen, right? Because you rely on bacteria and bacteria relies on you, I guess, if you want to go into science stuff. But I'll tell you what I, what I did and what I saw. I had the best time ever. And some people will be like, what? Check this. So I'm in Boston and I'm like, let me meet with a few people. I have, you know, free evening. Let's do something. And I go to this place that's named after an Asian airline, right? Because I wanted Chinese food. I was like, listen, after we find Hunter, I want to go eat Chinese food. I want some rice. I want some pork fried rice. I want to just get some dirty Chinese food in. And so D comes up. Oh, yeah, I've got something. And, and, and we should invite people because, you know, I finally had finished. And I was like, hey, this evening I've got free. Hey, why don't we? And I was like, oh, that's great. It's last minute. So anyway. We go to this place named after an airline, which, by the way, I actually happened to fly their first class a couple of times in the, you know, years ago when, it, you know, it was a big thing then. And they're pretty good. So we go to this place called Cathay Pacific, right, in Boston. And it's like you walk in and it looks like a Chinese restaurant, but it also has karaoke and it also has a dance floor. And it's also dark. And then in the back where we went, there were tables and they, it was like designed like for like wedding receptions. It was the most bizarre mishmash I'd ever seen in my life. Um, like pink striped stuff and mirrors. It looked like a banquet hall. It was so weird. So right next to the table we were sitting was a big family with kids, adults, everything. They were just like, you know, over 20 people sitting there eating and enjoying themselves. And they looked like they were having a great time. And then when you look at the crowd, there was the bar area, the dark area. So when you enter the place, it's like a dark area right in front of you was karaoke, right? Then you had your, your, your drag queens too. Like it was the most, like there was every socioeconomic stereotype you can envision. It was there, right? From every walk of life and everyone had fun. And it was down to everyone having fun in their own way. Uh, together and not stepping on others' toes. Except for, you know, me maybe with the weird look to the dude that walked in with the wig and the beard and I was just like, dude, you're not even trying. Like, this was really bad. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you identify as a woman, at least look like one. Like, don't like make it look like it's Halloween. 
right? The guy looked, <laughs> it was so weird. Anyway, maybe that, maybe that I wanted to say something, but I, I, I didn't at that point. I mean, anyway, I'll leave that. It was, it was a fun way for me to observe all socioeconomic backgrounds together under one roof in the most, oh my gosh, it was the weirdest, like I said, layout. You walk in, it looks like your typical Chinese food restaurant. And then you make a left and you enter into this dark corner bar and then across from it, dance floor with some people doing karaoke and people around the bar. It looked like a stripper joint though, the way they were in circle. And then to the far right, you've got like these banquet tables. I was like, what is, this is like, schizophrenic place like i've never seen so much stuff in one place and so disconnected but it worked like i would totally go there again just because it worked right because everyone was enjoying themselves and i guess that's how we should see morality and ethics applied in society just because we don't like what someone else says, looks like, dances, dresses, okay. The guy with the wig and the beard really put me off, okay? He wasn't even trying. It was more like he was trolling. But why? Why do we have to have a certain set of way of speaking, voicing our concerns, and operating when we can easily do that with compassion? And that is exactly what I saw within that room. It was compassion. And you're going to be like, but they weren't like pitying. See, this is the thing. Stress and compassion, stress and compassion. There's actually research that was done. And I'm going to play this clip from uh, Sanford. I won't play it on YouTube, but I'll have to disconnect. It'll only be on Rumble. But I wanted you guys to get this at least from my show today on, on, on YouTube, since rumble has been a little bit iffy on the platform today, when it comes down to this, this war that we're fighting globally, right? And it's the people against whatever establishment is out there. You have to understand that everything they're doing is justified in their eyes. They have a justification because they've rationalized their actions. They believe that whatever they're doing is for the better of whatever they believe because they're smarter than you believe it's the way. It is exactly what I was told when I said, wait a minute, are we like rigging elections in other countries? And it was like silly. We can't have people electing their leaders. That would be chaos. For me, I was kind of like, oh, and it was kind of like, oh, that's your job. And it's like, no, it's not. It's their job right? It's the people's job to decide who they want and what they want. It's not somebody else who gives them the qualification. What? Because they got a degree guarantee you if I had a million dollars, I'd be an honorary, whatever, whatever, like they do for rich people all the time. Bill Gates didn't get anything. He was a dropout. Give me a break. From what authority are these people telling us what to do and how we should live? and what we should put in our bodies, and how we should operate. The whole experiment of this nation was to create states, and within those states are people that share common values and operate the way they wish to, and on a more federal shared level, they share resources. It's the EU just without the communism. (laughs) It's the EU without communism. There we go. The EU was the step up 
making it a little bit more commie-like, right? More socialism, more, what is that keyword? Solidarity, right? And then there's other nations that enforce rules and regulations based on ethics that they draw from their religions in the more, you know, jihad ruling states. Uh, you know, we have conflicts in India between the Bengals and the Southern Indians and, you know, the Hindus and the Muslims and the Sikhs. You know, we have all of these dynamics across the world when in in essence the the real way to do it is exactly what the idea was of our forefathers we create our communities and those communities share common values that's what we do we share common values right and we stick to them now many people will argue well you know less than 0.2% for example are you know trans people and nobody likes them who said that the media told you that nobody cares right Nobody cares. Well, they uh, alienate gay people. No, they don't. It's 2022. Nobody cares what you do behind closed doors. If you have two partners, three partners, a hundred, you know, as long as they're not children, everyone's fine with it. But now we're getting the, the ones that are attracted to children saying that they're being alienated. And, you know, they're, they're now rebranding themselves as you can't call them pedos. You got to call them maps. <laughs> it's like, what? That doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be protecting children. We're supposed to be protecting them, not sending them out to predators because that's how it is. It's predations, predacious behavior on those that can't defend themselves. So I think all of us can agree on basic rules and principles like don't steal from each other. Fair enough. Don't kill each other. Fair enough. You know, don't have sex with your neighbor's wife or husband. Well, you know, people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I agree with that. Like, why are you going and stealing people's men or women? You know, just keep your claws to yourself. But, you know, that's, you know, that's people doing their thing. That's not going to harm you specifically, I guess, society, because it'll be more childless families, uh, fatherless or motherless families, um, you know, random offspring, you know, but that's that that comes with the territory. Being free isn't supposed to be clean cut roses, daisies in the field and skipping around like you're taking part of Little House on the Prairie running with your dog. It's supposed to be as messy and ugly as free speeches. And that's what makes it beautiful. The imperfectness is what makes it perfect. And it is highly unfortunate that we are in a society that is supposed to be the beacon of freedom for the world. And we're finding ourselves in a position to sequester free speech and to disallow people questioning abuse of power by those that have garnered authority from alleged elections. This is a problem. You know, when I see people calling me an election denier, I'm like, you do know that I used to rig elections in other countries. And when I hear a Karen say she doesn't know how elections work, it's like, actually, I do. I know where the source code goes. I know how it was created, why it was created, what countries were training it, who we paid for, and who actually concocted it at a house under a contract through the DOD. Like, stop. You don't know. In today's society, in the United States of America, we are not allowed to even protest our grievances, which is allowed to us by the First Amendment. We have media that is receiving personal identifying information from enraged election officials across the nation. 
that are trying to bully, abuse, or mock people for demanding transparency. Your elections should be free and transparent. They should not be classified. They should not be under the guise of, we need all this power. Look, if you need so many federal agents and so much money and so many computational systems and so many barriers from not letting us see, then we don't need these machines. We can definitely count. And if I live in a state with 5 million votes cast, well, that means I have at least 20 million people that can count statistically. And by the way, your machines couldn't even count one county in Arizona. Stayed like that for five days. You're going to tell me people couldn't have done it faster? See, it all comes down to the foundations of what we allow them to do. I don't care if you're left, right, middle, upside down, curvy, whatever you want to identify as. One thing that we can all identify as, as Americans, is that we have to have solid foundations. We cannot allow these people to trample upon our rights with unfettered access to everything about us. And we aren't allowed to question them when we pay their salaries. <laughs> right? They don't even ask us. They just take it. Right? And they'll jail you if you don't pay them too. I mean, could you imagine being able to jail your boss for not... <laughs> they could jail you if you don't pay them. Right? This is the, the bottom line. Our morals and ethics, I guess, uh, intertwined together, have been deprived of our attention because of stress. And stress, again, does not allow us to feel compassion. Therefore, we can dehumanize others. I mean, we see it all the time with these Karens. Remember, during 2020, they were wearing masks like their lives depended on it. I would stand next to people on the sidewalk having a cigarette and they'd be masked up and they'd say, I can smell your cigarette. Can you move over? And I'd say, well, if you can smell my cigarette, a ton of viruses are going through too. So that mask isn't working because scientifically the molecule of smoke is way, way bigger than that of a virus. So it was, it was all about perception in 2020. In 2021, people completely lost their mind because they got this false sense of assurance because apparently the pharmaceutical companies had come up with some genius idea to help them when in fact it's, it's, it's causing a hindrance to their actual innate immunity, taking away from their natural foundations, their, their themselves. And people were at a point where they, they would actually kill you and attack you. You saw people being attacked at bath and body works for not wearing a mask, but they're all still alive, right? They're all alive right now. And those that didn't wear masks are more alive than those that did. And sans the acne on their face and, you know, whatever. So it's really important for us to see just how they're dehumanizing people and training people into new morals and ethics. Remember, sodomy was a crime until it became a protected constitutional right. That's key. This is how quick one generation can destroy hundreds of years worth of prosperity and advancements. But that was only one nail. It wasn't the final nail. This is where the final nail is coming. We see people complaining about Podesta coming into this administration now. How are you, how are you not, how did you not see that coming? 
What are you talking about? He's a pedo. <laughs> Wait, how did you not see that coming? He was the guy that was executing the UN agenda. And right now, because every single one of you, both left and right, especially the right, have bent the knee, waiting for someone to ride in on a white horse, they're taking full advantage of that. He was the executor of that whole plan. Of course, he's coming in. It was inevitable that he was going to come back in. They've dehumanized a whole generation of people. What is that? Okay, boomer. When the boomers are the ones that bent the knee, it's the Gen Xers that are confusing everyone, right? We've got Generation A that's fighting like the Gen Xers that are awake and some of the boomers that are like, hey, I'm on my deathbed. I give zero. I think everyone should give zero. You shouldn't care. You know, you shouldn't care what other people say about you. And I say this and I, and I don't practice it all the time, because, but sometimes when I listen, I'm like, what else did I do? Tell me more. You know, people talk about you like they know you. Don't worry about it. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time. So seeing this wave of media obtaining personal identifying information from election officials that are complaining to them. Oh my God, they're sending us all these requests. How dare they? How dare they question us and tell us to hold on to evidence? Ask them why. Oh, and in Kentucky, Ben Chandler was like, oh, definitely that pillar fella, right? Not only that, this lawyer representing someone, and I'm going to find out who it is, and I will make sure to publicize that. This lawyer threatened a citizen with a class A misdemeanor for sending a retain the data letter because they're thinking about filing a lawsuit. I want you to remember that. This is where they're going to. They want to criminalize people demanding transparency. You're harassing a citizen for demanding transparency. They, I dare you to take that to court because you know what? Actually charge someone with it. I dare you. There's no way in any universe whatsoever that that would pass. You would be hung by your toes. This guy needs to get disbarred. This attorney with just this letter should be completely disbarred. It's malicious. It's disgusting. And, you know, if you don't have a license to practice law or have filed pro se lawsuit, priest, who is this person? trying to intimidate any citizen from using the people's court. Who are these people that think that you are peasants and you are not allowed to speak? Who are these people that are writing stories about this concerted effort because they're election deniers? No, you are a truth denier. That's what you are. Because if you believe in your mind that in any shape or form that these elections were free, fair, and transparent, then you need some help. What's that? Where is that gif? See, I don't even have it. That gif. Where it says, stop, get some help. That's how you should respond to any email, any media person sends, any of you. Stop, get some help. It's not free. Definitely not because we're paying billions of dollars for these elections. It's not fair because there's pre-programmed decryption algorithms in the trap door and it's not transparent. 
There's classified portions and we got DHS all over it. They have federalized our elections under our noses and no one is saying a word. You know, at the end of the day, my affidavit in the Sidney Powell lawsuit is the only one that has stood the test of time. Every single audit, every single investigation that has been done has just proven things that I put in there in November of 2020. Why? Because like I said, I used to fix elections in other countries. I mean, you should ask John Bolton. That's the preferred method that instead of throwing out Arab Springs and killing people and assassinating leaders, the easiest way was to just conduct elections and help them. That's the way it is. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting how those that call you election deniers are actually just truth deniers. They're your thought police. They're not journalists. They're not your friends. They're just thought police. Now I'll just move to Rumble. God bless. So those of you on Rumble, right, hopefully it's still on here. I just want to, I don't know what's going on with Rumble. Like what is going on with Rumble today? It's cutting out. It's bad. I don't know what's going on. I want to see if they responded. My IP keeps changing. Hmm. It's probably because I'm attack. I'm under. Really? Like, why are they throttling me on, on this? Thank you, Rumble. Rumble got back to me saying that my IP keeps changing. It's because I'm usually on a hopper anyway. Thank you. But it's probably because I'm only when I get an incoming um, on my IP is when I when I actually use it. So um, that's pretty bizarre. I wonder. So five point two five four and one four five point four zero. Hmm. Those are the IPs that keep changing. Interesting. Very interesting. So for those of you on Rumble. I'm going to sign off and um, leave you with this. Don't let them tell you what's right and what's wrong. Don't let anyone tell you what's right and what's wrong at all, ever. You have the ability to know what's right and what's wrong. No one else does. And the minute you realize that, you can draw from yourself to see exactly what I've been telling you. They're just trying to shape the what's right and what's wrong in their view. And that's all that's happening right now. Because if you give them an inch, they take a mile. That's so true. (laughs) It is so true. And it is so happening. Mea culpa.